This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NASCAR America, Kevin Harvick dominated Texas. We'll see how he and the four team got the job done in today's Scan All Texas. Things are not going so well for Harvick's teammate Clint Boyer. It's win or bust for the 14. We'll hear from crew chief Mike Bugaravich in this hour. Plus, Parker Kligerman will be in the simulator to show us the challenges of racing at the new look Phoenix. It might be one of the most important simulator segments of the entire year. Welcome to NASCAR America. The polls are open. Your midterm election team will be led today by Nate Ryan and Parker Kligerman from here in campaign headquarters. And on location amongst the people today from NBC Charlotte is Kyle Petty. Kyle, what's the mood there as the polls start to close? Well, honestly, uh, I have no idea because they won't let me out of the studio to go out <laughs> into the people to see what the mood is. Uh, but it was really tense getting here this morning. I had to come through, get all those things that they hand out to you to tell me who to vote for. And I'm voting Kevin Harvick. <laughs> there you go. All right. And we do want to point out uh, we're here, but uh, Parker voted today. He's from here. Yep. Nate and I voted early. Kyle voted early. Everyone has got their vote in. So keeping with too. the election theme, we want you to make sure your voice is heard. So we have a poll question. Which of the drivers currently in the bottom four will make the championship picture? All right. We already know. Mm. We're, well, yeah, Harvick's in. So There's some optimistic Boyer fans. But we have... <laughs> Yeah, look, so, so the and this is going to stay open uh, for the length of the show. They're not going to stay open as late as your your polls nope. are in your district. <laughs> Just so the show. Go to NBCSports.com <laughs> slash NASCAR vote. Of course, three of the four drivers below the transfer line wear Stuart Haas on their fire suits. You have to wonder what the conversations are like behind those shop doors, right? No, you don't. You don't have to wonder because Marty Snyder was there today. Well, Krista, honestly, kind of a strange day here at Stuart Haas Racing because there's no race cars for anyone to work on. That's because all these crew members and crew chiefs stayed in Texas for an extra day on Monday to work on their Phoenix primary and backup cars. They stayed in the garage area where they were for practice at Texas Motor Speedway, got those cars ready, scaled and everything, sent those to ISM Raceway in Phoenix. All the Texas cars got loaded up. They are not back here in Kannapolis, North Carolina at Stuart Haas Racing yet, so no cars for anyone to work on. The Miami cars, well, they're way in the back in the finish fab area getting last-minute wind tunnel updates put on those cars, the primaries, and the backups for Ford Championship Weekend coming up in Miami. Obviously, they know here at Stuart Haas Racing that Kevin Harvick and the four team will be racing for a championship after their Texas win. The other three teams are in must-win scenarios at Phoenix this weekend, right? Maybe not. Billy Scott, the crew chief for Kurt Busch, told me, listen, we're close enough to the cut line at minus 25 that we really feel like we can point our way in. We'll race the first two stages at Phoenix this weekend in a scenario where we'll look at what everybody else is doing and see if we have to race for the win in stage three. But I truly feel like there's a scenario where we can point our way into the championship four at Miami. The other two teams here at Stuart Haas Racing are in very likely must-win scenarios. Eric Almarola and his race team, currently they're 
there, 57 points below the cut line. Clint Boyer and his team, 73 points below the cut line. Talk to those guys today, and they admit, yes, we have to win at Phoenix. But Eric Almarola saying, listen, the new start finish line at Phoenix can create chaos and maybe some different strategies that we can take advantage of. Mike Bugaravich and his team told me we finished six in the spring at Phoenix, but we have to get a little bit better. I asked him, does that mean you maybe go towards Kevin Harvick's setup? He said, we're so close on setup to the four car most weeks anyway that we won't deviate much from that, but we will add a few new things into the setup package. And I'm already studying some scenarios with strategy where we could take advantage of that and hopefully put ourselves in victory lane and in the championship four at my Miami. Chris, as you can see here at Stuart Haas Racing, they have two championship trophies from the Sprint Cup Series era and a nice hole right here where the Goodyear car is when Tony Stewart won the championship where they could put the Monster Energy Cup Series championship trophy. That's their goal. Two weeks in Miami. All right, Marty's going to have to turn the lights off when he leaves there. Exactly. Everybody's already out uh, towards the West Coast. So, Parker, uh, your take on what Marty talked about, we're going to have more uh, with Stuart Haas Racing later in the show, but what did you think there? Well, that if, if you know Billy Scott, he's optimistic. Yeah, already. <laughs> he's an optimistic You guys giggled. I know. And so <laughs> I love his enthusiasm for thinking they can point their way through. And so I, you and I were just talking about the math behind this. So in my opinion, what is the path for them? You know, we're on election night. What's the yeah. path to, the, the, to winning the election? Well, what's the path for them to make it to the championship four? It's basically winning those first two stages, right? Because right. that's 20 points. Right. And then basically beating the 78 by six points right there, by six positions. So, yes, it's possible. But you're basically counting on the 78 team having a horrible day, which we have not seen. They're in the position they're in because they are a top four team. So I think right. that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. Yes, there's a, there is an option of pointing your way through, but you're counting on others' misfortune to do that. So I don't quite see that same path. That he sees. Yeah, like short of knowing that there's some sort of sabotage that's taking place <laughs> here with maybe the other championship contenders, I don't think you can count on Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. having really mediocre days. Although you look at the last couple of races and they have had their struggles, both of those teams, yep. with pit penalties, with loose wheels or whatnot. So maybe that's the grounds for the optimism yeah. here, but... I completely agree that it's it's highly unlikely, I think, that anybody gets through on points. On election night, I think you favor the incumbents. Ah, and there we go. everybody this above the theme. cut line, I think, sort of has <laughs> has the higher ground at this point. L listen, the, the path that he sees has one issue, that huge sinkhole right as you start down that road. There's no way he's going to get over that. And that's Kevin Harvick. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and, and you talk about winning stages. Kevin Harvick won two at, at, at Dover, one at Kansas, and two yesterday, or two in, at, at uh, Texas. I look at those as the mile, mile and a half racetracks that we run, which is Phoenix, which is, is, is Homestead. So nobody's going to take a stage win uh, right now if you look at it on paper. I think everybody under that cut line has to go into that race saying win at all cost. Win at all cost. Forget the math. Forget the points. Forget running up front. Forget stage points. It's not going to make any difference in the end, I don't believe, unless something happens to other, those other two guys. So if you go out there and as incredibly optimistic as you want to be, you're going to have to throw that out the window and say, win, win, win. And that's all you can think about. Kyle, you bring up a good point, which is probably there's a point in the race where the, maybe you switch to points, right? That's when you start discussing points. But if you go into the weekend thinking there's a points option there, then that just doesn't make any sense, I would think. As you're saying, you have to go in the intention of winning because to point their way through on just a normal day, they'd have to win those stages, which means you're going to be a car that's contending for the win anyway.
Yeah, and 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 like I say, it, let's just go back to the last few. Throw out Martinsville, throw out Talladega, and just go mile, mile and a half racetracks. The last three we've run, Kevin Harvick has taken the stage wins. Kevin Harvick has won almost thirty percent of the stage races, or the st has almost thirty percent of the stage wins all year long. And you're going to a place, and I hate statistics, but when you're running like Kevin Harvick, you've got to pull those st statistics out and look at them. He has owned Phoenix, so there's nothing that tells me that he's not going to be in the top one, two, or three every stage. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, Kyle. I mean, obviously, if, if Harvick is the odds-on favorite by far to win both stages, Parker, I mean, where do, you know, <laughs> Kurt Busch need, where does Kurt Busch and Clint Boyer, I guess, need to finish if they have a point scenario in play? I mean, they'd have to finish two, second, and third in every stage. So, well, we, we, <laughs> you know what we did wrong was we said you had to have hope the misfortune for Kyle Busch and Martin Shrex. You actually have to hope misfortune on the four cars well, probably, right, right. to point your way through. So, this is, I mean, this is all obviously hypothetical in the discussion of how does they, how does that path open up for them? It's what, it's what's achieved in that first stage is really going to dictate is that path available or not, right? If he's right. up in the top three in that first stage, then points start to open up. And if the others are struggling, then it opens up more. But once they get through that first stage, if, if the four car's running as well, as Kyle's saying in terms of winning stages, the 78's up front, game over, you gotta win. I, I'll say I appreciate the mood on the number 41 team, not just with Billy Scott and what he told Marty Snyder today, but, but Kyle uh, Petty's interview with Kurt Busch in pre-race for Texas, and he just flat out asked him, after Martinsville, Kurt Busch said, we got him where we want him. We're, you know, we're where we want to be. We're about yeah. two dozen points behind. This is, this is where <laughs> this we want to be yeah. <laughs> after, after the round of eight opener. And he had the same, I think, sort of optimism in that interview before Texas. So maybe this team has been looking toward Phoenix. Maybe they just have this positive attitude and momentum for some reason. They just feel like Phoenix is going to be the place where they rise. And with the political agendas today, isn't a little positivity <laughs> Nice. What we all need. Sure. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, you know who else? You said you don't really like stats. You know who else doesn't really like stats? At least he told us that after he won in Dover. Chase Elliott. Chase he let Elliott. us know. He let he us know. He doesn't like stats. <laughs> but if you're going to look at pay, he probably likes him for Phoenix because he runs pretty well there, Kyle. Yeah, he does run fairly well there. And, and when you look at it, and, and I look at him, but again, again, he runs fairly well. Okay? He runs pretty good. He runs okay. When you look at it. These guys have to have exceptional performance this week. This is not, we've seen Chase run seventh at Martinsville, have one of the best races at Martinsville that he's had finish-wise, his second best finish there in his career, and although it's only been a short career, when you look at it, but he lost 28 points. Lost 28 points. You run in the top four, five, or six, and you lose more than 25 points, that's the way this system is. It's who you're racing against. That is the problem. That's the problem that, that the mountain that these guys have to climb. They're racing Joey Logano. They're racing Kevin Harvick. They're racing Kyle Busch. They're racing Martin Truex. Those are the guys they've got to beat. And you know why those guys are the top four? Because no one's beat them most of the year. No one's been able to beat them on a consistent basis. One off, yes, but Phoenix, pretty good. I'll give you pretty good, but I'm not going to give you much more than that. <laughs> I'll just say this. The, what we need out of Chase Elliott to say that he has a chance of making it to championship four is we need Kansas Chase Elliott in that nine team. We do not need Texas Chase right. Elliott in that nine team. Or if Martinsville. They, or Martinsville. If they yeah. can do what they did at Kansas at Phoenix, then yes, there's a possibility. That was something that I felt like 
That team was on it that weekend. They put themselves in position to win. They capitalized on their misfortune, and they won that race. That is what we need to see on the 19. If they're able to do that, there's a chance because of how well he runs there and the speed we've seen them at times through the season. But if we get a Texas or a Martinsville 9 car, no, game over. What's the pulse right now? Can we put up the poll? I don't know if I'm, I'm actually just going off script here. Oh. Put up the poll if we can. What, Breaking what news the fans, here, yeah. the poll. What do uh, fans at home think? Does Chase Elliott have a chance? Look at that. I, I didn't even know their, that. Oh, no, that oh, would just no, swayed them changing. back. Yeah. Look it's, 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 it's constantly moving. It's going to go like this for, for a second. The whole I was going to ask, are we looking hour. at the most popular uh, driver balloting, or <laughs> right. is this actually like who's going to win? This? So keep your votes coming. You see there, NBCSports.com slash vote. Make your voice heard on this election day. All right, coming up, Cole Custer became the first to lock himself into the championship four at Miami. Marty Snyder talks to Saturday. Man, Marty's busy. He talks to Saturday's big winner. Plus, what will both Christopher Bell and Justin Allgaier be facing at Phoenix this weekend? We'll talk Xfinity Series next. Saturday at Texas Motor Speedway, Cole Custer scored his second career win. And because a playoff driver hadn't won yet in, the playoff, in this round, he became the first to earn a spot in the Xfinity Series Championship 4. Now, Marty was busy today because he was already at Stuart Haas Racing. He found the Xfinity Series' most recent winner. Well, Krista, what a win for Cole Custer Saturday at Texas Motor Speedway. Now, I had your pits on Saturday. I wasn't quite sure how you were going to make it through turn one when you made the pass for the lead. Were you worried you were going to make it through turn one there? I'm not sure you lifted, did you? Uh, I was definitely a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, I, I had to drive it in there. I was pretty far back. I was like five car lengths back, so I had to try and drive in there just to get to his bumper and try and pack some air on him. But uh, it worked out, and uh, we definitely needed it, needed it, you know, the perfect timing going into Homestead in the end of the year. So uh, we waited all year, but, you know, perfect time to get it. You said all day long throughout the race, you said, I, I know I have the best car. Like, what, what gave you that sense, even though you're kind of riding in second and third, that you had the best car? Oh, well, it's tough because I could I could stay on anybody's bumper. It's just, you you know, it gets a little bit hard to pass there at Texas. So, you know you have the best car. It's just you're, you're trying to work traffic and things aren't really falling your way. But I knew if we just kind of stayed consistent, we would have been there at the end. You mentioned the momentum for the for the double zero team. How big is that? And do you sense that when you walk in the shop here early this week? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we're definitely we're building really fast cars right now. Everybody's pumped up, ready to go to Homestead, and obviously the Cup Shop. They just won a won a race with Kevin, you know, on Sunday. So uh, everything, the whole shop's firing, firing on all uh, eight cylinders. So I think uh, there's no reason why we can't go to Homestead and win two championships. All right, so everybody, you know, throughout all the media stuff in the, for the Xfinity Series always said, boy, we don't want Cole Custer to get to Homestead because obviously you were so dominant there last year. How do you repeat that performance, though? Because that was an exceptional race by everybody on your team last year. Yeah, it's going to be hard to repeat that. I mean, uh, that was probably as good as it gets, but I think we have the best baseline to go off of this year. Uh, there's still little things that are going to be different, like the body rules and uh, the tire, I think, is a little bit different. So we have to adjust for a few things, but we have the best baseline to go off of, so I think everybody should be scared. And how critical is it to keep the momentum going this weekend at Phoenix going into Miami? Uh, it's going to be huge. I mean, obviously, we want to go to Phoenix and win also. I think uh, Phoenix was a good track for us earlier in the year. Uh, we didn't get the finish that we wanted, but I think it's a track that we have a lot of speed at. So uh, I think there's no reason why we can't contend for a win and maybe knock somebody out of the you know, playoffs just with the speed. Does it, does it you know, make you excited that you look down and you look at the guys who are dominant all year long? Here's Christopher Bell and Justin Allgaier, and they may not make the Final Four. Does that kind of open up an opportunity for you guys? Um, I guess a little bit. You know, I, I want to race against all of them. I think uh, they're definitely – I've learned a ton from Justin all, all year and I'm racing with all the guys. So uh, I, I would want to race all of them in Homestead. But obviously 
Uh, we need we want to have all every competitive advantage that we want, so we're going to go into Phoenix trying to win. All right, Cole Custer into the championship fourth for the Xfinity Series at Miami. All right, the three remaining spots in the race for the Xfinity Series title are up for grabs this weekend at Phoenix. It's hard to believe both Justin Allgaier and Christopher Bell enter this race below the cut line, but that's the situation each driver is now facing. I mean, this is going to be a battle, and this is actually one of the bump and run topics on the NASCAR and NBC website this week. Nate, you, have, you Dustin, the guys put you know some stuff out there. So will Bell, Allgaier, or neither make the championship for what has been the, the take from you guys? Well, the consensus among myself and the other three writers is that at least one of them makes it. And okay. Dustin Long believes both will make it. He thinks Bell wins. Allgaier gets in on points. I think Bell gets in probably with a win. I don't think Allgaier makes it. I think one of them will make it. And I just I go back to Bell's confidence after wrecking twice at Texas where he just he seemed to be in the right frame of mind to come out and win. And, you know, you said it. These are the two championship favorites. And I still think he believes he can win the title. Whoa. Wait, so <laughs> Algaier, though, he's great at Phoenix. So, I, I mean, I think this is an incredibly tight battle. This is going to be awesome to watch at Phoenix. And I think the other problem for all of them who threw a whole wrench in this deal is Tyler Reddick in that nine car. Being 20 points to the good right now and having the performance he did at Texas, that threw a wrench in all of them because he kind of came out of nowhere in that sense. You know, there was a couple races where he couldn't keep out of the wall, was run into things all the time, but just stayed on right. their heels. And now with a great race and them having a bad race, he's put himself in a great position to make the championship four. And I think a lot of people would write him off, but they forget how good he is at tracks where you run next to the wall. He was great at Chicagoland earlier this year, running up next to the wall, led a lot of laps. So he's throwing a wrench in this. I, don't, I think this is wide open. I'll say this, though, and I know Kyle's going to agree me here. Kyle, you know what I'm about to say, right? No. Daniel what? Hemrick is going to win at Phoenix. This is yes. going to happen. You know what I mean? It's finally going to happen. It has to. You, you know, I have picked Hemrick, uh, I, I guess, as soon as the playoffs started. And I've been waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I thought he had a shot a couple weeks. And he can throw a monkey wrench in this. I think Hemrick can go to Phoenix and win that race. Um, you know, the Bale-Algeier thing, I look at it. Two guys who have had career years. D Justin Algaier has done the same thing in the Xfinity Series that Martin Truex did in the Cup Series last year. He doubled his win, his previous win output in one single year. We know Bell, well-documented, more wins at rookie season than anybody else. But these two guys seem to have lost that mojo a little bit. I do like Bell's confidence. He has that confidence because he has speed. He knows he can go out week in and week out, and he's outrun these guys so many times. But I also like that about Cole Custer, the guy we just talked to. He's got two things going for him in these last two races. Uh, SHR, Stuart Haas Racing, knowing that inner circle there with Kevin Harvick and, and understanding some of that stuff going to Phoenix and the speed that Stuart Haas Racing has had all year long. So I don't care who else makes it to Homestead. I think now at this point in time, the way the season has played out, you're going to have to go or fight Cole Custer for this win. Whether you're Justin Algar, whether you're um, um, a Bale, whether you're Christopher Bale or, or whether you're or a Reddick, it doesn't make any difference. You're going to have to fight Cole Custer. Hey, guess what? You know who we never mentioned? Elliot Sadler. Oh, Elliot Sadler, the was, veteran, yeah. he's yep. there. I mean, he's in a good position. The storybook too. ending. This could be the storybook ending. You know how close he was to the championship last year when he got involved in that little deal with Priest at the end of the race. So I, I think this is wide open, the Xfinity Series. This is going to be so intense. And for all these drivers, I mean, this is going to be throughout the race. We talk about, you know, with the cup side, Kurt Busch and Billy Scott have to maybe update themselves points-wise. These guys are going to have to update themselves points-wise 
throughout the race because mm -hmm. this can be so tight and fluctuating so much. If you just kind of roll back the last, what, 45 seconds of what we just talked about, clip that, play it for the promotion to watch <laughs> the Xfinity Series race in Phoenix because this thing is just going to be so good and we really don't know who those other three who are going to be. You didn't be. know we were just filming a commercial? Well, I know, that was great. <laughs> that was great. I didn't use my commercial voice, though. <laughs> I, have a, I have a commercial voice. I don't. Coming up, Kevin Harvick powered his way to a spot in the championship four at Texas, but other playoff drivers were driving through too many pit boxes, taking off with loose wheels and fighting back from crew members over the wall too soon. We will revisit the sights and sounds of Sunday's race with Scanall Texas next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Yesterday we brought you an update on Joel Cram III, known to the NASCAR world as the Selfie Kid. His mom, Carrie, told us yesterday that he spent the whole hour drive home looking at the pictures on his phone. Yeah, I think mission accomplished for Kevin Harvick. Here's what he had to say in victory lane. You know, it's always, um, people always give you grief for not stopping for everybody. You don't have time to stop for everybody, but I love stopping for the kids. Sorry to you adults for the most part, but yeah, that's, you know, that's something that hopefully that kid will remember for his whole life. And, you know, I, uh, sometimes you get reminders of what you mean sitting in this car to, to people outside of the sport. And, and um, so that moment is going to, you know, hopefully be with that kid forever. It had an impact on Kevin, too. And last night, Harvick's crew chief, Rodney Childers, posted this on social media. You know, we talk about all the time how things happen for a reason. I just realized the little boy that came up to me at chapel on Sunday and asked for a selfie is the same little boy that Kevin picked out of a huge crowd to take a selfie post-race. And yeah, for further update, uh, Joel's mom, Carrie, also told me this is one of Joel's favorite things to do when he goes to a race. They go to several racetracks, uh, take selfies with drivers. Oh. And crew chiefs. So, and crew chiefs, apparently, that's the best his thing. So, very good. All right. It may have been all about selfies before and after the race, but when the green flag waved, it was all business for the number four Stuart Haas team. Let's see how Harvick handled his and earned a trip to Miami in today's Scan All Texas. Welcome to the middle race, the semifinal round of the championships. Cars to the rear again, 48 and 10. No, man, not us. Hey, we have to go to the rear. Up here they say we failed inspection twice. Go to the rear. Okay, fall back. Jimmy, I don't know what happened here with this penalty. I'm not certain what that was all about, but just focus forward and try to get ourselves up there where we need to be. It's the AAA Texas 500. Clint Boyer gets into the side of the 11. Denny Hamlin slides up. I cannot believe we did that already. Let's rear, man, let's rear. That's so frustrating. Lap one. It's bad, really bad. Got a cup, got a cup. And slow on the track is Boyer now. Right rear. Right side tires here, guys. You can see the major smoke. Obviously, tires still rubbing. It's worse now than it was, guys. Because I didn't fix it. Coming to you right here, we're in four. Right now, we're P39, three laps down. Hey, but just make sure you're not resting your foot on the brake. You're seeing a lot of uh, brake data on the SMP data. Like down the straightaway? Yeah, down the back stretch especially. I don't think I am. 10 four, just wanted to check. Well, NASCAR just a few minutes ago told the 48 that they indeed made a mistake. Jimmy, I mean, just so you're aware, it was an error on NASCAR's part for us to go to the rear. Oh my God. 
dig deeper into Eric Almirola's comments. He had some updated um, quotes today. But before we do, anything else lingering after hearing Scandal? I mean, Parker was especially chatty on the radio. <laughs> I was Parker just trying was... to figure out what we were to discuss on Victory Lab. <laughs> Parker was very chatty. But I'm going to say, Parker had a great point. It is hard when you, and listen, I spent a lot of time getting lapped in my career. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard to get out of the way. It's a different race. It's a different kind of race. And you lose so much time doing that. That, that it totally changes the way you drive a race car. That was great stuff. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, it is. And the hardest thing there was that it was just a single groove. 
So yes. you, were, you, were, you, you were all actually discussing with a couple of drivers afterwards how we were doing it, and basically by the end, we started just lifting on the straightaway, let them go, and then you'd slot in right behind them as you went in the corner because you'd lose so much time being in that higher groove. Well, we're, let's go ahead and then talk Eric, Joey, especially speaking yep. of that one groove. Uh, now, a lot of support has been given to Joey on, on social media, especially after Eric's comments following the race, but Nate... You have some updated information, um, Eric talking, I guess, on NASCAR.com today? Right, so Eric Amarola called NASCAR.com uh, writer Zach Albert today. They did an interview with him uh, to clarify that he and Joey Logano have spoken as of Monday night, and Eric Amarola said that he feels good about where they stand uh, and, again, explained his position on what happened during the Texas race where Amarola just thought that Logano would cut him a break because of where they were at uh, in the race and, I think, on the track. And um, Almirola also had an interesting comment. He said, I know a lot of people are confused at why I was upset when you look at the replay, but the reality is, as race car drivers, we, we both know the situation we're in, and now he knows where my head is at. So some interesting comments, I think, where Almirola not only explaining, hey, that we've talked and things, I guess, are good, but also to provide some context, because that was a lot of the comments, I think, Parker, after the race, not just from fans, analysts, you know, why was he so upset when it appeared the replay showed something that didn't quite match what his assessment of the situation was? And I think that was my question immediately after I heard those, his comments. And so I think it comes down to, you know, as racers, we have an unwritten etiquette, right? Which is how we race each other and how closely we race each other. And, and there's some things you can do arrow-wise to really upset someone else's car. And I think we have some video of, like, of that whole lap. Yeah. And how important is that then to go back to, I, I guess, earlier in that incident? So the reason it's important to go back. So here we have the restart. You see those two are on the second row, Ayer Camarola on the bottom, Joey Logano up top. And the reason this is important because it's all about positive versus negative momentum. So right here, you're going to see the 22 has positive momentum. He's on that top lane. There's not a lot of grip up there. So then Eric Omarola starts to get the positive momentum down the backstretch. And here they're wheel to wheel. At this point, it's kind of a duel between two drivers. Who's going to go in this corner harder? But then as you watch into three here, the 22 drives in so hard and the 10 almost backs up a little bit, but he just didn't back up enough. And then coming off here at the end, you see the 22 is so far out of the groove, he started falling back. So at that point, if Eric Omarol was on the bottom lane, he had the predominant lane, he could give up a little bit there and get to the corner and still beat the 22 off. And what happened there is the 22 squeezed him, and so it kind of created a, a moment there where he lost it. But you can put as much emphasis on Eric's decision of trying to drive in there hard, even though he was losing positive momentum to the 22 on the outside, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's, it's kind of a duel between drivers, right. and it's a decision-making process that you go through. But at the end of the day, as a driver, you have to understand that does the car on the outside have the ability to drive in harder than me into the corner and therefore take away your side force? And how much, Kyle, does that play into it? Because, as we said, the single single groove or groove and a half at yeah. Texas. How much is the fact that it was Texas come into the equation? He's smiling, so I'm worried here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, listen, I, I think I think the speedway, I think the racetrack had a lot to do with it. I, you know, and, and Parker can speak to it more than I can uh, because he was out there. It was a groove, a groove and a half racetrack. And you, you begin to think that this is going to happen or that's going to happen as a driver. You understand where you put your car. Uh, but listening to, to, to what Nate just said and what he read, this truly is election day, and most politicians are walking back things they've said. And all I see from Eric <laughs> is he's walking back his statement. Sorry. He just, wa he just walked it back. What happened was, and what bothered me more about what Eric said, was he raced me hard. He's already in at, at Homestead. What's that all about? We heard that on Scanall. That's total BS. I'm sorry. Uh, you go out there to run as hard as you can every week. I can understand 
the frustration from Eric Almirola. I really have gained a tremendous amount of respect for him as a driver this year, watching what he's been able to do, watching him come back from not winning some races and then finally getting that Talladega win. Uh, but he threw a little bit of that goodwill out the window as far as I'm concerned with some of those comments. And I'm glad that he and Joey talked. Uh, but now this is over with. It's time to move on to Phoenix. Uh, and I don't think we'll hear anything anymore about it. And Kyle, you actually had a great point earlier today, and I think it was something that should be said, is that if you buy a ticket in the grandstand, you never want to hear anyone say, I got raced too hard. Yes. That's what they're there to see, <laughs> right? And I think as driver, as I've done this job on the outside and had to view the sport, I have gotten a larger respect for the show, right? For the idea of wanting to see the best drivers go out as hard as they can. And if we hear drivers saying, well, I don't want to be raced too hard, that's a bad message to the fans that they're that buy tickets in the, in the grandstands or watch on TV. And if there's one more thing I don't want to hear again after this yep. besides he raced me too hard, I don't want to hear again, hey, he won already in this round, so he should race differently for the yeah. other races. Like, he should <laughs> not race as hard because he's already guaranteed to advance. That's, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And, like, I hope that that is a takeaway from this, that let's maybe dispense with this notion that if a guy wins in the opener of a round in these playoffs, it shouldn't mean he races differently and races less hard in the next two races. Agree with that. Well, and like Kyle said, hopefully this is all done now. We can focus on the championship. We run a clean campaign here. No mudslinging <laughs> anymore. That's what we're talking about. Hey, don't, speaking of, don't forget to vote. On our oh, poll man. today, which driver in the bottom four will make the championship at Miami? Go right now to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. Wow, popularity contest. Elliot. The most popular driver. Plus, <laughs> we're going to take also a <laughs> sneak peek, a sneak listen, a sneak taste, if you will, at the newest installment of Coffee with Kyle. That's coming up next here on NASCAR America. Today, the qualifying rounds of the Hendrick Engine Builder Showdown kicked off. The competition pairs the top 12 builders from the Hendrick Engine Department and 12 certified master technicians from the Hendrick Automotive Group. The finale takes place tomorrow afternoon, and you can stream it all live at HendrickEBS.com. This day in NASCAR history takes us back to Phoenix 30 years ago today when Alan Kowicki took advantage of race leader Ricky Rudd's engine failure with 16 laps to go and cruised to his first career victory in the Cup Series. Following the race, Kowicki confused the broadcast booth by driving his car in the opposite direction around the track. Kowicki explained his unique celebration when he is in victory lane. That victory lap there is something I had thought about for a long time and I wanted to do something special and never be another first win and I just wanted to give them something to remember me by. And the Polish victory lap was born. Next January, the late Alan Kowicki will be inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know, Chris, I was at the Hall of Fame last week and talked to some people who are preparing a lot of the tributes to Alan Kowicki. And I just, I, I can't explain like the amount of enthusiasm and emotion I heard from people who have conducted interviews with people like Tony Gibson, Kurt Busch's former crew chief, still at Stewart Racing, who of course was on that team. Um, Paul Andrews, uh, former crew chief, also on that team as well. And I think that we're just going to see like some really cool stories when that induction ceremony happens early next year. And I think it's going to be a wonderful tribute. I feel to like Peter Jelen may be a part of I that, I think too. he was one yeah. of the guys, too. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. All right. Hey, Kyle, I know your calendar has been <laughs> filling up, right? Calendars, but you're, you're laughing. Everyone trying to get an invitation to Coffee with Kyle. The first episode is up on NBC's YouTube channel now. Here's a caffeinated taste of part two. 
I think the day and age of guys being able to just jump back and yeah. forth and show up at Indy for the month of May, I don't think it's that easy anymore. Yeah. I, I think I could go this year and make the field, but I don't think I would feel like that I was capable of winning the race. Yeah. There's so many things that have changed. You're never going to turn the hands of time back with technology, yeah. but it's got it so specialized now that if you're really going to be a guy that's a contender in whatever series or division that you're going to run in, you better be 100% focused on it. I know Kyle Busch desperately wants to run the Indy 500, and I think he's somebody that could do well there. You know, could he go win his first year? Uh, probably not. Without being in those cars, yeah. you're not going to just come over on a one one race deal and, yeah. and figure these things out. It's just that that era is coming along. Kyle, the feedback has been awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, Tony was spot on on so many things. Uh, you heard him drop that little nugget there about Kyle Busch would love to run the Indy 500. Uh, but he talks about being an owner, being a promoter, uh, or being a track owner, being a promoter, uh, being a driver, owning sprint car teams, owning cup teams, the changing face of NASCAR drivers, uh, the evolution from when he came in to now. Uh, it's all encompassing. He is a is a, an extremely wise individual when you step back and, and talk to him, and he's very articulate on how he lays out how he sees the sport uh, and how he sees the future of the sport. So it was a uh, it was very enlightening for me. I'm a Tony Stewart fan, but I'm more of a Tony Stewart fan after understanding where he's coming from. Well, I know the episodes coming up are going to be really special, too. And, like, you need an excuse to drink more coffee. That's what worries me. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. <laughs> coming up, you notice Parker Kligerman is not here. That's because he's going to hop into the NBC iRacing simulator for some hot laps around Phoenix. He's getting ready. What challenges await the drivers following the track's recent switcheroo? That's coming up. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. After $178 million worth of renovations, the new look ISM Raceway in Phoenix will make its debut this weekend. The biggest change of all for drivers, the repositioning of the start-finish line, which now sits off what used to be turn two. Parker is in the simulator. What does this mean for a driver? Well, Krista, the best example of how it's going to change is to maybe take a look back at how it used to be. So we're going to do a restart here for the old way, where the start-finish line was on the straightaway here, which used to be the front stretch. So we're coming off old turn four. We're in the second row in the white and blue NBCSN car. We get the green flag. We're going to get up to third gear. You might carry third gear down into turn one sometimes, stay in third. And then from here, it was all about the dogleg, the runoff turn two and onto the dogleg where you could go down this shortcut with a ton of speed and try and side draft some guys, and then you'd all funnel down into turn three, maybe continue to use the apron down here like I'm doing, and then slide up, and eventually, kind of, oh, we still got a guy on the outside there. Eventually, if you could clear them, you'd hopefully clear them down into turn one once again, and then down here into turn one. Now that we've cleared them, it kind of settled down, and that was the whole restart, with just those couple turns basically and by the time you got here you hope to be settled down now with the new position to start finish line let's take a look at how these restarts are going to be completely different so we've seen the old way of how it was done where the start finish line was on the straightaway now we're going to the new way where the start finish line 
is going to be off of the old turn two, what is now going to be referred to as turn four. And it's going to be all the way sort of between the dogleg and what is the new turn four. You'll see a blue cone down there and a, and a line. That is going to be our restart line. So we get the green flag here coming out of the corner. And then it's kind of crazy because you're going to fly down to this dogleg shortcut and be shifting. It's dirty down there. There's sand. And then you'll fly off down to turn three. You might even have some drivers get sort of checked up, downshift to third gear, and it's gonna continue this restart through this flat corner over here. Then it will continue down to what used to be turn one. So this is just gonna be a little tougher because you've got more corners and trying to get the power down on that flat shortcut. I'm making a bit of headway here, but then by the time we get through that corner again, you hope to find yourself, as I gain on the leader a ton, sort of single file by this portion. And then from here, the racetrack doesn't change. Once you start racing again, it's the same racetrack. It's just a different location for the start-finish line. There's some visuals that will change with the grandstands on this straightaway being gone. But otherwise, as a driver, the way you drive the racetrack is not gonna change because the start-finish line's in a different portion. It's just simply that first lap or so from the restart that's gonna be so different and so much for the drivers to navigate through. But otherwise, I think the racing will be very similar. But I'm interested to see, we might even be able to get six wide down into the corner there off the restart, trying to get to the gears on the flat shortcut. Six wide and a new right side tire for Phoenix for the cup drivers this weekend too. Well, one driver facing a must-win situation in Phoenix is Clint Boyer. We will hear from his crew chief, Mike Bugaravich, on how to keep the 14 team focused on the mission. And don't forget to get your votes in. It's almost time to close the poll. Just go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. The final results are next. Make sure your voice is heard. Well, Clay, how do you begin to describe the frustration of this day? Yeah, it's a good weekend for us and a uh, bad day. <laughs> what about going to Phoenix? It is one of your better racetracks going in a must-win situation. Yeah. Go get him. Go get him. Clint Boyer will be in must-win <laughs> mode this Sunday, but Boyer is winless in 26 career starts at Phoenix. So what is a crew chief to do? Marty Snyder, by the way, had the run of Stuart Haas racing today because he also spoke with Clint's decision-maker. Well, Christopher, Mike Bugaravich, I, I'm wondering if anything has gone right this round for he and Clint Boyer. They've qualified better, which that was kind of the goal coming into this round, right? But uh, racing-wise, man, have you ever had a, a couple races like this? Yeah, it, it's been a tough one on us. Um, it's definitely challenging us, and uh, that's what the chase is all about. You know, I've talked about that before. But, uh, you know, we got one more shot to, mm -hmm. to make it through to Homestead, and we don't plan to give up yet. So, uh you know, the question just comes down to be, are we going to be a car that can contend for the win on right. Sunday, you know, outright racing them? Or uh, are we going to have to get, uh, you know, strategic and try and yeah. figure out a way to get in position? So, um, you know, one way or another, though, there will be no quit. Clint, you know, interviewing him in a very short interview Sunday night, said, great weekend for us, bad day. I mean, do, I know you don't ever imagine a scenario where you qualify outside pole, have that happen on lap one. After that, was it just a scramble of trying to get back into the game? Yeah, you know, we got more damage than it really appeared maybe on TV or something of that nature. You know, we kept having that right rear tire rub, and we were trying to clearance it. And it's hard with all the aero load you got there. You know, it's really pushing in on those body panels. And fortunately, we didn't have another tire go down, but it was still there. It was still a nuance throughout the day. 
Um, but yeah, then then at that point it was well we're two down and and that's that's the tough spot to be in that early in the race and try and get your lap back. So then we're trying to figure out a way to strategize our way back to one lap down to have a potential to get a lucky dog to get back in the race, but it just never showed. So competition meetings here today after you guys worked on the cars at, at Texas to get them ready for Phoenix. How do you keep the morale up? How do you keep Clint fired up and in the game Sunday? I mean, the thing is, is at the end of the day, you're still in contention for the big prize, right? So is it going to be a little bit harder to get there? Absolutely. But uh, at the end of the day, we race for wins every weekend. So this is no different. So we just got to go out and win, and then we can go race for that big trophy. When you look at Phoenix, what do you change? Obviously, you had a good finish there in the spring. But what do you do to get a little bit better? Yeah, you know, I think we got to look hard at what our setup was and what the issues were that we were fighting and, and make our best attempt to try and make it a little better. You know, like you said, we had a pretty good day, um, collected some stage points, but uh, kind of at the back half of the stage there and then ended up finishing six, which was our best result at Phoenix. But that's still uh, about five spots worse than we need to be. So um, just got to work on making it a little bit better. And it all starts with qualifying a little better there. So we're going to work on our qualifying setup, too, and hopefully start in that top 10 or top five. Do you already start looking at pit strategy and, and things you could play, th- you know, scenarios you could have played out in the spring? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always go back and I watch previous races and that, so I'll kind of see how things have played out, different strategies people have tried and stuff like that. But, uh, again, it's all what opportunities arise, and you just got to be dynamic, I think, in your strategy as the race goes on. All right, no doubt a must-win scenario for this race team on Sunday, but they've already won this year. Maybe they can pull it off on Sunday and punch their ticket to Miami. There's just so much optimism at Stuart Haas Racing. Kyle, as you're listening to that, I know you already cast your vote for Kevin Harvick uh, to go all the way. Does Clint Boyer have a chance? I mean, there's always a chance, right? Yeah, and and listen, this is probably the best racetrack for him to have a chance, I I, I do believe. I I didn't give him much of a chance the first two races, uh, but this he was in my top two or three to pick going in there. Well... I'm going to say there's a chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's just gone miserable for them in this round, as right. he said. And it's it's been just a, a set of errors and set of circumstance at times. I like to hear Bogrevich say that they were figuring out things to do once they were two laps down to get back to one lap down. That tells me he learned from maybe Martinsville, where they probably lost about 10 points there. And I'm glad that, you know, they're really in a situation where 10 points isn't the deal breaker for them because I, I, was, gonna, I was worried about them if that was going to be the case after Martinsville. I mean, if they have a good finish, if they're able to advance, like, it'll be a, a – reversal of the narrative the last two races for this team yeah. and they qualified yeah. well and then just haven't exactly well. all right can yeah. we close up you see the poll numbers there meanwhile Kyle, no one agrees with us that's even a chance. on the edge of your seat the poll listen, is listen. closed once again it's only fitting that the polls are useless on election day okay <laughs> once again only fitting only fitting well, uh, you know what? I think we we didn't have a most popular driver contest here because right. otherwise I think That's Clint true. and Chase would be a lot higher than uh, Kurt and Eric. So, so I think they agree with us that Eric Omerol is in a tough spot. Clint's in a tough spot. Right. I feel like we should have bunting and posters and <laughs> I <know>. buttons, right? <laughs> I, I know, voted for like, oh, I, I actually everything. didn't vote in that poll. So. All right, but you voted in I the voted election. In yes. So well done. All right, that will do it for us. For all the latest NASCAR news and opinions, check out NBC Sports com slash NASCAR and follow us on Twitter at NASCAR and NBC. We're back again tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. See you then. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.